3: All
1: right! All right! right. This is is the Doug Gottlieb Show. Here's in the bonus with Doug
3: Gottlieb.
4: Radio.
1: Hope you're great. The Doug Gottlieb Show
4: broadcasting live from Southern California. Um, We got a great because we can. You're gonna love the. uh, What does the fox say? And I got another gem. Pick of the night for you that you're going to truly, truly like. Uh, welcome in. Uh, I, I I, don't know. I, I'm i really fascinated, guys. Not necessarily with conference realignment. You know, I, I do think, and we've talked about it probably more this time than any other conference realignment time um, in the last 10 years or so. Maybe, you know, when, when the Big Ten realigned, there was a lot more discussion. But th- let's not get caught up in that. What is interesting is what we were told was the proposed media rights package to the Pac-12 yesterday, which is obviously no longer 12, and right now it's Pac-9 going forward because Colorado has said, we out. And you can start to see why there was so much hesitation from, from uh, the league to present this to their teams because it is a bet on themselves, if you will reportedly it's somewhere in the, you know, has in the 200 million per year to start range. And again, do the math, right? What is 200 million? It's like, mm, that's not really, and they're going to have, obviously they would have to add a 10th team. And so you're talking about if it's 200 million and it's 10 teams, say you add, I don't know, San Diego state, or you add, the Air Force Academy or UNLV, you know, to go with to go with Utah instead of Colorado, right? Um, and then you have your travel partners yet again. If you're to add one of those 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 teams, like that's 20 million apiece. But you can bet on the come, which is the the chance of if you get enough subscriptions specifically for the Pac-12 package. Well, then you could make more than the 31 million in change that the Big 12 is making. There's a lot to this, okay? A lot to this. Let, let's start with, start with the fact that there's always been discussions about who's going to be the first major sport or major conference to take everything digital, right? Amazon, Yahoo, whatever. And no one's been, there was talk of the last NBA deal, heck, maybe this upcoming NBA deal, that would they go all digital with one of the packages or, or you know, to Apple, to Amazon, to Netflix, um, because the one thing that is of supreme value to television companies is live sports, live events in general, but live sports. So there is, it, it does have some value, but the idea that you're going to get, and as the numbers came out and how the equations work, likely the same number of subscriptions for Apple TV, um, the same number for the Pac-12 seems like a massive reach. I don't know if you saw this, Jay Stu, but the estimates are that in order to reach the, the, the high-level bonuses, they would have to get to, I think it's like 34 million subscriptions, which, by the way, that's how many subscriptions Apple Plus has now. So you're saying to yourself, well, they already have it, they'll get it. No, 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 no. They basically have to double it or create those on their own. But it is interesting that i think we'll start to see maybe not a rebirth but an understanding of why linear tv cable tv still works right it absolutely still works it's it's still and the the reason behind it is who watches college sports this is a big thing this is a I think it's a a great case study. It's a great one for people to understand who watches college sports. Kids do not. The the target demo doesn't really watch college sports. People who watch college sports are alums or super fans who usually live close. And I think it's what college sports has done to itself is criminal because they've torn apart a great industry and I know what some are going to say, and if you know, there's media people like, well, look, they wouldn't be spending all this money. They're like they are making money, right? but they're going to at some one They're also spending a ton of money to make a lot less, to make a lot more money, and at some point, they will, like the Pac-12, be making less and less and less. It will hit a tipping point, and I, I can't emphasize any greater that this is, you know, the reason those packages. Being digital won't work is people who watch everything on their phone or, you know, and this will change some with YouTube TV getting red zone. You know, and getting uh, getting the NFL Sunday ticket package. But people who watch that are older, especially college sports. We operate like college sports is super cool and college kids, the wave of the future they're watching. They watch their own school play. They're not sitting down and watching other teams. There, There is, and and so there's very little chance you're going to get a massive, massive subscription spike. On the other hand, those schools being the West Coast, you do have much more developed and diversified kind of eyes, and it's not like you're in rural America like we're in the Midwest or the Southeast or Southwest where you don't have internet connection, all of those things. So I just, I, I truly believe truly believe that, um, that this is, it's the future. I just don't think the future is now because this is not, it's, it's not the right, this is not the right league for it. There's some makings of it, Mark, because they, a, a, a league like the PAC 12 cannot take the hit of, going a couple of years of only making 20 million when the big 10 is making, you know, 70, the SECs making the 60s, the Big 12s making in the 30s and you're making at best 20. Like you can't I don't know if they can I don't believe they can survive those lean years and then I'm not a big buyer into the upside there. <clears throat> not a big buyer in the upside. What do you think, Chase, too?
5: I never professed to know it half as much about this stuff as you do. But it seems like um, the Pac12 was kind of like what the uh we talked about a lot on the show, the, what the Mets did this year. Mm-hmm. Like whether it was um over valuing themselves entering a market where uh that no longer exists. Um I don't know what the what the wording is, the business term is, but there was an overplaying of a hand. I read a, an anonymous source. I think Ross, uh, Ross Dellinger wrote about it today. I read an anonymous source where (laughs) one, one of the conference presidents was like, um, we, this was either the, the, the best, this is either the best poker bluff in the history of business, or he's got nothing. He's got exactly zero. (laughs) We're talking about the conference commissioner. Um, how did it get to this point? I mean, how how exactly did th- th- this happen? So again, I I follow it very casually. I know you're in the weeds on this stuff, and I, I like your takes on this stuff. But I this was just such a drastic um, over what, what's the word is overplay in this whole thing?
4: Oh, I don't think there's any doubt this is an overplay. I think that's a great point. This isn't you know the waiting and waiting and waiting on a deal, and then this is the deal. It's like whoa. Um, if it was really a good deal, then it would have been shown to the league a long time ago, where it feels like it was kind of cobbled together in an effort to make the other, uh, make the other conference school stay. And, and, and I don't know if you know this, you go back two years ago and the PAC 12 could have ended the big 12. Could have ended the big 12, big 12 loses Oklahoma and Texas, and they could have gone in for the kill. Taking a, you know, taking Texas Tech, taking Oklahoma State, taking Kansas, you know, gone and got, gotten a couple of these schools, and they could, have, they could have dropped the hammer. They did not. And because of it now, their days are numbered. I mean, look, they're going to lose probably three schools to the Big 12, and then you're going to lose two to four to the, to the Big 10. And when that happens, the Pac-12 cease to exist, and, um, and, and we'll have a titanic or a tectonic, because tectonic's the plates, but a titanic kind of land shift in college sports.
1: It's, it's truly crazy. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: work
4: let's get to what the fox said and now <laughs>
3: What's up, the fox
4: here's dan patrick talking about the mets ownership choosing to sell off their high-priced pitchers before the trade deadline
6: i give the owner credit he tried it didn't work and these were commodities that you would be using in october the reason why you get scherzer and verlander is come playoff time it's not about the regular season, but the team failed. He tried. They spent a lot of money. It's kind of hard to throw these things together and go make magic. It doesn't happen that easily. I don't care how good you are and how much money you spend. They tried, didn't work, and now you reload. Max Scherzer, okay, you got your answers, and then he decided that he'd be willing to sign off on a deal. Go to the Rangers. All right, that's how it works. Not everybody can be in it and, uh, you know, keep putting money out there. They spent a lot of money on that roster. Look at the Padres. Still waiting for them to be elite. Now, we saw glimpses of that last year, but this year, they're average. It happened, The Yankees, average. Now, what do you do this next year? That's the key. Do the Mets spend a little bit? They did get, you know, some minor league prospects here. Doesn't feel like this owner wants to build for the future. Because billionaires don't like to wait. They don't normally have to wait. They want to buy their way out of something, and it didn't work.
4: Uh, contrary to that, there's a, a story in Athletic today that the general manager actually told Scherzer. Scherzer asked him, are we going to re- try and reload next year? And they said, no, 2024 is more of a of a transition year. So the way I look at it is I do think it's smart to get rid of, you know, get get rid of those two Star pitchers who are past their prime and can't help you, and only drag you down. and obviously costs a lot of money. But the bigger issue to me continues to be that the sport has evolved. It is it it, it takes a different skill set from your team in order to be successful in the regular season. We haven't seen how it affects the postseason, but one would stand to reason that um, on some level it'll be the postseason as well. And I think that's just fascinating to keep your eye on. But it's also fascinating to point out that teams were constructed for a different era. And look at the Yankees. Look at some of the Padres. Some of these teams that were built and by all accounts built well in the past haven't worked out. I don't think it's just the that's baseball luck. I think it's the change in the sport. Here's Craig Carton and Plaxico Burris talking about Bill Belichick and the Patriots' quarterback situation.
7: Ugh, he just can't help himself. Uh, I mean, look, wow. I'm not saying that Bailey Zappi isn't going to play at some point this year, but Mac Jones is the starting he's quarterback, the and the fact that this clown right. uh, won't just come out and say, "Yeah, he's our," of course, he's our starting quarterback, yeah. is just comical and typical Bill Belichick. Right?
4: Hey, if if Mac Jones wasn't starting quarterback, he, he would not have inserted him back in the lineup when he came. Back from injury. Correct. With how well that Bailey Zappi was playing at the time. So, Mac Jones is the quarterback.
7: This is such a tired act. When you're winning championships, you can act like this in the media, but at this point, it's just tired. I'm so sick of it. When is this this ever going to end? Are we ever going to see real Bill Belichick? Listen, the funniest thing is that the real Bill Belichick is actually a very funny, outgoing, gregarious guy. I've seen it. I've seen him at uh, dinners where he's the funniest guy in the room. But when he presents himself during the football season to reporters, he puts on this front, and you're right. When you're winning Super Bowls, you can be that guy. Right. When you go three straight years without a playoff win, and people are starting to question how good you are because there's no Tom Brady, that act gets stale very quickly. Yeah.
4: Um, I don't think this is as much an act. You know, there's, even Mac Jones said, you know, this is a, a fresh start year for him. I, I think this has always been Bill Belichick, right? That he has always the, – the, the stories about his relationship with Brady and why the Brady thing worked was he was as hard or harder on Brady than anybody else in the building, and that just worked. And I think the idea – everybody says we want to treat everybody the same, and it's different, obviously, if you're a star quarterback, but I think that's what he's doing with Mac Jones. I, again, I, I said this about the, the odd attack to their offense last year. I, I didn't like the plan, but Bill Belichick's earned the right to have that plan fail. The plan did fail. Now I don't know if it failed because of scheme or because of execution of the scheme and how much of it was coaching, but it failed. This year they go to Bill O'Brien, who's been excellent with quarterbacks, excellent with offense. He, like, Bel- like Belichick, bad as a as a as a front office guy. So we'll we'll see. But I, uh, it's a weird thing to say. It does make you think. Well, these guys don't get along at all. But it's Belichick, and we were told it's a fresh start, and maybe that's what the fresh start is about. Here's Fox baseball reporter Tom Verducci talking about on the herd talking about the Angels'
8: offers they received for
4: Shohei Ohtani.
8: There actually was a pretty good market. I spoke with one team that said they put an unprecedented offer on the table to essentially rent Ohtani for two months. In other words, without really thinking you're going to re-sign him because who knows where that number is going but essentially paying a price for two players because he has two players in one. That's right. I mentioned I mentioned, you mentioned a, a, like a Juan Soto type deal, and this guy said basically the same or even bigger. The problem there is you're trading prospects, really good prospects for Otani. Artie Moreno doesn't want prospects. This is, as you said, it's a generational player in a vacuum. Yes, you have a player who might leave as a free agent. You put him on the market. You get something more than a, a compensation pick, right? It's not just another player in that market. When they haven't been to the playoffs in nine years, they have a winning record. They're four games out of a wild card. You have the best player on the planet. You can't trade him. I'm sorry. It's just the player, the market, the owner. It adds up to a no brainer. Keep them, play it out. See if you got a chance to sneak into the postseason.
4: Uh, I don't know. I mean, like that's what they ended up doing. But the reality is, if they don't get to the playoffs, and they haven't traded Otani, and they get like the fiftieth pick, like what what is really what has really been won? Now today they got dominated by the Braves, just completely eviscerated by the Braves. And that's losing two out of three. Um, and this is a team that lost two out of three to the Blue Jays. Now, they get the Mariners coming up, and the Mariners were not buyers, they're sellers. Then they have the Giants. Hey, then a roadie with the Astros and Rangers and Rays and Reds. So, it's – you better win, start winning at home. Otherwise, th- this feels like a feat accompli that he leaves and they don't make the playoffs yet again.
5: Isn't that – isn't the first thing that Verducci said – Extremely interesting that they were getting like uh, Juan Soto offers. I think that that also plays into it. At the end of this, say they don't make the postseason, and then we can start critiquing what the move was. If they turn down the the chance to have building blocks for the you know the next few years, I think that's an even bigger indictment on the move. Yeah,
4: I would tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you. You know that that if they were that sizable offers now it does feel like and you tell me if i'm wrong if i'm if i'm reading reading into it wrong it does feel like verducci is essentially um he feels like this information came from the angels right that that does not feel i could be wrong does not feel like in, in information that came from the league it came it felt like it came from the angels and i say that because it's like them trying to validate. Hey, we didn't want prospects; we wanted players, and nobody was willing to, to do players. And look at all that we turned down to keep Shohei Otani, et cetera. I don't know. To me, that that's where it, that's how my ear, ear ear hears it. I don't know about yours.
5: Yeah, I, I mean that's that's a way to look at it. The opposite end of that is that there was a team that is like we offered them this much and they turned it down, and that that's an interesting strategy. That the, you know, the other GM was basically saying, can you believe they did this? But, again, we'll see how it plays out. That's what the Fox said. Ah!
1: What does the Fox say? Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
3: work
4: let's find out who's annoying jason stewart and now
1: it's your
3: annoying hey
5: doug let's start with um with carly lloyd i think this there's a lot of meat here so um the u.s women's national team just to put this in context here barely advanced they they were uh, played to a nil nil tied with portugal yesterday Carly Lloyd went on the Fox broadcast um, and said this.
9: You never want to take anything for granted. You put on that jersey and you want to give it everything you have for the people that came before you, for the people that are going to come after you. And I'm just not seeing that passion. I'm I'm just seeing a a very lackluster, uninspiring, taking it for granted, um, where winning and training and, and doing all that you can to be the best possible individual player is not happening.
5: Now. She got a lot of shit for this. I guess her former teammates, former players, and then, of course, social media, Twitter, which is the cesspool of the world, started really getting into her. So um, she went on TV last night and kind of walked it back here.
9: I'd like to state that, obviously, I was very critical of the team last night. I've had some time to reflect, to sleep on it, and I I want people to understand that I cared deeply about this team. I poured my heart and soul into this team for 17 years. And it was based off of a legacy that was just passed down from generation to generation. The mentality, the DNA of what makes that team so great. And so my comments were reflective on me wanting to see that legacy continue to be passed down from generation to generation and with that it it comes with hard work it comes with focus and so my hope is that that continues because that is what makes the u.s so special and so deadly
5: now doug that was that, that was characterized by articles that cover the business as a walk back it sounded more like an explanation, but I'm annoyed by the fact that she felt compelled to explain herself. I thought her first comments were so on the ball, yeah. on the nose, and you respected her so much for doing it. No need to ap- apologize, even like slightly walk back. No need to qualify what you had said. Um, and you said the same thing on the air yesterday. These ladies, these women, are playing with the USA on the front. We, we all take ownership in that. And if we don't see the kind of passion that we want from our national team, men, women or otherwise, then they should be able to receive that criticism and the person doing the criticizing should be able to do it without being shit on by the world afterwards.
4: I I agree with everything you said, but let me go one step further. Like, look, uh, this, the apology either comes from Carly or from the executives at Fox and um, if it's from Carly, you, you, you just can't do it. If you want to be exceptional at it, which I think she has the makings of being exceptional, you're going to have to withstand some criticism. Right? You're going to have to withstand some criticism. This where it came. Nobody comes and cares. Everybody knows where it came from. Everybody knows that you played for it. You're, you're embarrassed. They're they they're not as good as they should be, and they're not playing as well or as hard or as passionately as they should as well. You, like that that's a representation of you. I get it. What do you? No, well, I had some time to reflect. Okay, I mean, look, that's actually a very healthy thing, but. It doesn't. We don't care where it came from. Your comments still ring, ring true. It's still the same. So I'm I'm with you, J. Stu. If it comes from the executives at Fox, which I I'm hoping it doesn't. I don't think it does. I would say you're you're not going to allow anybody to be an analyst now. and, And the other thing for now, this is for Carly. If she, you know, doesn't like the criticism, it does speak to one of the unspokens about. About women at times in the sports world, which is like, look, Alexi Lalas has said all all kinds of stuff about the U.S. men's national team, about soccer in general, about other teams, you know, and you have to be built for it. You have to be built for the pushback. And you know what the pushback always is when people hear or see something they don't like, they kill, they shoot the messenger. She's the messenger instead of reacting to the message. So, yeah, I don't, I don't love it. I don't know who's to blame. I'm not going to investigate. But whoever it is, and it could just be social media pressure and her friends texting you like, yeah, I don't know. Just characterize it. Nobody actually cares about the characterization. That will get no play. And maybe this is TV 101 as now you learn. Those comments on Team USA after a Team USA match are the ones that are going to be paid attention to the most
5: and and what i forget who said this maybe it was hurt or somebody but like something like three percent of the country is on twitter like for you to dictate what you say on the air based on a reaction on social media and maybe she got a lot of shit from former players too, personal messages and stuff but i don't think so you just can't react to twitter like you can't allow that to dictate your commentary
4: twitter hates everything yeah hates everything
5: And by the way, the other
8: two people on the set, one was Alexi Lawless, and I apologize not knowing that it's a German player, I believe, that's also next to Carly Lloyd, um, both agreed with her. Yeah. They both literally said the same thing she said, and Alexi Lawless even asked her twice in that interview, let me just be certain what you're saying. Are you saying this? And she said, repeated herself. So she she definitely, I think her passion is wonderful. I think her passion is for the fact that she sees a team that she played for, not giving her all... I said the same thing when I was watching the game. I'm like, this team doesn't look like they're interested in win- winning this game. Like not everybody can see the same thing and it'd be wrong. Correct? Correct.
4: <laughs> it's like an abstract painting. Yep. It's like, like, an, like an abstract painting.
5: So needless to say, I want to meet there. And on any other day, I think that would be uh, the thing I'm most annoyed with. But no, the most annoyed I am with something right now is my Dodgers my, and John's Dodgers. Um, <laughs> You know Andrew Friedman. He got into the dugout yesterday with his shades on, looking like you know uh, Tom Cruise from Risky Business. Uh, Love the deals we made. We're in a good spot. You know, uh, you know. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you lose. You know. We, we. You know. The effort was there. The effort's there every year. We want to win, but sometimes the trades just don't happen. Um, no. You're the the starting pitching on this team is dog shit. In the month of July. The starting pitching had an ERA of 6.18. Starting pitching is uh, hurt. It's been dreadful. And you went out and got Lance Lynn, whose ERA is around 6.18. So you, you basically just added an, a, a the same pitcher to the dog shit staff that you have. Now, Lance Lynn beating the A's last night, that doesn't count. If he beats a major league team, maybe we can give him some credit. Um, the Eduardo Rodriguez thing is such an indictment on the Dodgers, I think. Why would you not go to the representation and see if Eduardo Rodriguez would be willing to waive his no trade clause to come to you? Before you put in all the legwork and all the time and putting together a deal, you're putting time and resources into something that wasn't going to happen when you could have been maybe trying to do something else. You whiffed on Verlander. Um, I I don't understand the cart before the horse on this Eduardo Rodriguez thing. Andrew Friedman said, yeah, we knew about him and his family, but we just assumed he would waive the no trade clause because there are players on this team, namely Mookie Betts, that were former teammates of his. Um, Why don't you find all that out at first? There there are things called agents and just pick their brain. Um, Dodgers failing at the trade deadline – is the largest source of my annoyance right now. Um, and by the way, Doug, they didn't do shit this offseason either. In fact, they trimmed payroll. And if, if the mandate is, let's clear as much space and don't put any big contracts on the board because we're going to get Shohei Otani, then tell us that. Don't give us this bullshit about how you love the moves that you made at the deadline. That's just a lie to us. Just say, look, we're not looking to add any big contracts. That's why we didn't get Verlander, Scherzer, Giolito. Um, that, that's fine. Just tell us that. But don't give us this bullshit about we like what we did. Uh, do you have others? Yeah, Doug. Uh, a national broadcaster today, uh, the last two days, have has led his show with, um, I'm going to break down the schedules of teams and then tell you how bad they are and how good they are. and um this is the same guy who uh, picked the Broncos when the Super Bowl last year. The same guy that didn't pick the Giants to make the playoffs last year. Um, you would think that there would be some like harsh lessons learned in this prediction radio. Like You're looking at a schedule of teams that haven't played yet. You're looking at a schedule of teams that haven't played a single preseason game yet. And you're trying to tell me, oh, that's definitely a, a good month or a, a bad month schedule. It's like... you. you're this is, it's, it's complete waste of time radio. Like, what are we doing? What exactly are you doing with the go over schedule guy radio?
4: Yeah. I, I don't know what's happened there. I know what you're talking about. When, when I just, we used to, you, everyone has done it when they were a kid or in high school with their college team. It's, it's a very fan friendly thing to do. It just is not a really smart sports thing to do. I mean, it just isn't. Um, and the NFL is the the perfect example why. No one knew the Eagles would be that good, but no one knew their schedule was that easy. You know? You just, you can't plan for things. You can't predict things. And the other part to it, and this is a real thing, is remember, a lot like baseball changing, football changed. The, the extra point b- being moved back changed things a lot. Um, but I also think that the 17th game, Extra games extra you know and they, they change who the, only one team gets a buy in the playoffs so and we're still trying to figure out what that all means what that all feels like how that all affects things so i'm just uh I'm just really interested to see how it plays out that said I'm with you it's really annoying when people go down the rabbit hole of the schedules well that's a win and that's a loss ooh they go into Pittsburgh in November and like you don't like i don't No one has any idea how good Kenny Pickett is or who's he going to be throwing to or what that's going to look like or what your team's going to look like. You can do it. I just think it's weird that some of the guys that are the best at what we do have gone down that rabbit hole.
5: So uh, Dodgers front office, the Carly Lloyd uh, apology...
4: (laughs) Carly Lloyd, Carly Lloyd taking back, apologizing for strong commentary. I just, that's annoying. You don't need to. She's doing a great job. Keep doing a great job. Whoever told her or if her, you know, internal monologue told her to, to dial it back, you are wrong. And, another
1: Why are we doing this? Why do I? Because we can.
5: Uh, Doug. Dwight Howard, Uh, I think he's going to go to the Hall of Fame. Dominant player. He actually um, had a cross-section, right? He played with Kobe, I want to say, on the kind of the tail end of his prime after the championships, and then he played with LeBron. He was asked on this podcast—let me get the exact uh, credit here— on the podcast called Math Hoffa's Expert Opinion Podcast— the difference between playing on a team with LeBron and a team with Kobe.
3: Man, Kobe and LeBron. LeBron almost act like somebody from the south side of Georgia. Yeah, I, he act, we act kind of like twins. Joking, silly, have a good time. We get on the court. You still gonna have a good time, but we're going to dominate. Kobe ain't bullshitting with nobody. He might not come to the, <laughs> the locker room and talk. Mm-hmm. And everybody like, so he just going to walk all the way past him. <laughs> <laughs> got nobody up. Give a head nod or nothing. He just walked past him. But, right. you know, that's just how he would come in, I guess, now looking back on it, he probably was doing that just to get everybody ready for practice because we're too loud. He coming in there, we joking around, laughing. But, right. you know, he was just a little different. He was, he was just serious. different in his, his approach. Yeah, right. But that's Kobe. That's what made him who he is.
4: I love it. Um, it, it and one thing that's interesting, though, is, is that Dwight Howard, he acts like that was during his prime, doesn't he? And I guess maybe it was at the tail end because it was at the tail end of Kobe's prime. That was when Kobe, they were trying like one last championship, right? With Steve Nash and, uh, and Dwight Howard. But I, I don't feel like Dwight Howard was, I don't, I don't know. For some reason, I don't feel like that was even close to his prime. Wasn't that after his back surgery?
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was on the downside. We just didn't know it yet. And then he just became a huge pussy on that Lakers team.
4: Um, that was a mess. What's interesting is <clears throat> he played he led the league in rebounding that year. He averaged 17 a game, but they just clearly did not mesh his personalities, you know? And uh uh then of course he went to Houston and he played with James Harden and that didn't work even though you know statistically he was good. Then he tried back in Atlanta and actually he became seen as a really good teammate when the Lakers won in the bubble, but why can we play that for you? Because we, in fact, can. Let's get to our pick of the day. Okay, sir,
1: the bet is to you. All in, baby! It's time for the pick of the day.
4: We've been killing it with these baseball picks, so why stop now, right? Why stop now? Um, I got one for you. The, uh, yesterday we told you it was really easy, right? Just take the Dodgers. You know, they were minus two 275 yesterday, they minus 275 today. Put whatever money you can, knowing you're gonna you're gonna make that money back. And I think you could do that as well today. Um, you know, what what I love about th- this bet today is that I think you can you can not only go with the Dodgers, but I think you could go with the over. It's at nine and a half. Tony Gonsolin's pitching, and Tony Gonsolin's he's solid. You know, ERA in the mid fours, but um, and he hasn't been great since the All Star break. Hogan Harris, who's a lefty is going for the Oakland A's. He's got a 6.07 ERA. It's only his sixth career start. The, uh, by the way, Oakland is 2-10 in Harris' 12 appearances. Now, that can be deceiving because they're 2-10 in just about any 12-game stretch. I just think the ball is going to be flying around today, just like it was flying around last night. You know, A's were kind of buried, but Lance Lim's not great. Last night was six, nine runs scored. This one, it's nine, nine and a half. I take the Dodgers and the over. That's it for the In the Bonus podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow to the Doug Gottlieb Show at 3 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Pacific, uh, the iHeartRadio app. Or, of course, you can listen to us live at Fox Sports Radio or FoxSportsRadio.com.
1: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
3: work.